0: Hey, this is Jordan Sutton, pastor at Clearpath Church. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. We appreciate you listening. A little about our community, we love to come together. We love to come to the Lord's table together. Uh, we're a community trying to be led by the spirit, just walking through scripture together, walking through life together. If this message is an encouragement to you, bring some hope to your life at the end of the sermon will be a little bit of information about how you can get in touch with us stay tuned and thanks for joining I remember thinking a number of years ago, I think I told you this. Chris Foulton had this message, and he said, the the person who has the greatest influence in your life is not the person you believe in the most, but it's the person who believes in you the most. And as I reflected, I said, Lord, who believes me the most? There was a very clear answer, and it's my wife. And if I could... You know, you talk about these these worship songs where you're like, if I could say a thousand words. I feel the same way about my wife. She does everything. She seeks the Lord with me. She does so much for our family, so much with joy and perseverance, and just incredible woman of depth that other people don't get to see as much as I do. And I'm just so grateful. I just, I always, like feel like it's like the best decision I've ever made <laughs> is to marry Andrea. And so Andrea is going to be sharing with us this morning. So I hope you give her a hand. She is the best. I love you, bud. That
1: was real sweet. I feel like I need um a hype song though. <laughs> when I run up I'm like, yes. Okay. I'm gonna actually grab I have hair. That is in my eyes. So when I'm looking down, that's not probably going to work. I'm going to grab this guy. Um, Things guys don't have to think about, but Jordan does, actually. (laughs) So I'm going to keep my water here and my notes here. Thank you. This is fine. That's good. That's good. That's good. Keep it up. There we go. All right. Yes, I have been so just blessed and excited seeing what the Lord has been doing over these past weeks at Clear Path, Um, and even in our own personal lives and in our family. It's just been really sweet, really beautiful, and um, I do believe that this is a transformational time for Clear Path. I really feel like it's like a boom, here we are, something new is coming. And so I'm just really excited and expectant. And um, I think that the Lord is just bringing a depth and a width to our community um, to be able to receive from him, like a greater capacity to receive his love, um, but also a greater capacity to pour it out. There's an inflow-outflow inflow, outflow thing going on, and so I'm excited to see what that looks like. Um, this morning, I'm talking to you guys about the beauty and the love of God and our response to his love and to his beauty. Um, And ultimately, we're going to come together. Sorry. We're going to come together um, at the table of communion. And I think that that's such a beautiful picture that culminates in us seeing his beauty in the earth. Um, It's really simple. Like, you've probably heard a lot of these points and things before, but I do feel like it's, key for this season that we're in right now at Clear Path and in just being able to like sustain the desire to sustain the stirring um, that he's been putting within us. So let's just quickly pray. Lord, we love you. We love you so much. You are so beautiful. You are so good. You are so mighty. You are so worthy. All of creation praises you. All of creation cries out. For your beauty. We thank you, Lord, this morning that you're with us and that you love us, and we just submit our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I, like, I have no idea how long this is going to be. I have no idea. I am not a professional speaker. I tried to do some timing stuff, and then I got into editing mode, and then I just, like, edit away and, like, add things. So I don't, I really don't know. So you guys just kind of go with me cheer with me, okay? Like, say, good job, Andrea. Good job, Andrea, because I'm going to need that this morning. I really love to hear those things, so please be, thank you. Just be my little cheer people in the back. Yeah, I love that. Put your seat belts on, and we'll just go on this ride together. It's like we're at Disney World. We're just going to put our seatbelts on and cheer, okay? <laughs> That's what we're going to do. All right, so let's jump in. God's beauty. Sometimes this idea of God's beauty, or even beauty just in general, because it is a concept, um, it can seem super intangible and abstract. And I do like, think that there is an element of it that is. Um, and there are different opinions on what is beautiful. Um, there are some people who walk into an art museum and see beautiful pieces of art, and they cry, like Jordan like Jordan. There are some people who go out in nature, and they cry, like Jordan. Um, And maybe some people don't do one of those things, and some people do both. It's whatever. There are some people who prefer just different forms of of beauty, Um, and neither of those are necessarily more beautiful than the other, but we do have opinions that vary on what beauty might be for us, and I think that is because we have glimpses of beauty, in this physical world, because it's imperfect. Um, but one day, when we see the fullness of beauty, um, when we see Jesus face-to-face, um, then we're going to see like the actual picture of beauty. And he's going to make all of those imperfect things perfect. Um, but there are some definitions that have been agreed upon um, throughout the ages. Sorry. I'm all smacky and dehydrated since I've been fasting, so you'll just have to bear with that sound. Okay, beauty beauty is classically thought of as that which has harmony, proportion, wholeness, and radiance. So beauty in just the classical definition, that which has harmony, proportion, wholeness, and radiance. Think of that piece of art, that sculpture, that beautiful person. Um, In science, it is purity the most raw, simple, pure form of matter, of even a theory or an equation. Nothing lacking, nothing superfluous. In physics, the quest for beauty has been a part of its history and tradition. I'm gonna share just a tiny little story, fun fact, about Einstein's theory of relativity. Um, which is actually considered among physicists to be truly beautiful because it is the culmination of symmetry, harmony, and unity in the physical world. Many physicists do consider it a piece of art. In essence, this theory gave us a new understanding of gravity. So Newton's law of gravity was like the thing that people knew for the longest amount of time. Einstein comes up with this new thing, and and it just like kind of very simply, very simply, (laughs) how the planets and the stars are placed into space-time and their effect on gravity as a whole. So how our worlds work together, how gravity works through all of that. This theory unlocked the ability for physicists to determine the structure of our entire universe and how the cosmos align. And how does one man, how does one man come up with this? He was asking question after question. He theorized over and over. Can you imagine like the chalkboard with the little math equations? (laughs) That's all I can think of. This dude just writing equations constantly. But he brought reason and imagination together in a way that had never been done before. So reason and imagination, reason and wonder, and all together in a way that had never been done before. And this wasn't a time when there was a desire to bridge art and science, and that was like starting to rise. And this theory, this just simple theory in physics reminds us, not simple, very complex actually, reminds us that there is a sense of art and beauty even in something that seems rigid, like math and science. In philosophy, Beauty is present when ideas or conclusions are good, true, and unified as one. In the divine, beauty culminates in glory, holiness, wholeness, and radiance. The shininess of God. (laughs) St. Augustine, whose prayer we prayed this morning, adds that unity is the form of all beauty. The form of all beauty that's unity. We see God is the truth. We see he's good. We see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are unified in one. All of these definitions and inclinations in nature and science and thought, all through the ages, we see little elements that point to his beauty. In scripture, we hear a lot about God's glory and very often, this word is exchanged with one that's also, it's called, I'm going to try to say it, superpulture, which actually means super beautiful. The beauty radiance to the extreme, like beauty to the extreme, radiance to the extreme. So when we say God's glory, when we, when we worship God for his glory, we're saying, God, you are super beautiful. You are super radiant. You are extremely beautiful. So his glory is synonymous with his beauty. Psalm 50, verse 2. Chris, you can pull it up. It says, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. He is perfect beauty. He is perfect beauty because he gave beauty. So all of these little elements and things that speak of beauty that look like beauty to us are because he created them. He is perfect beauty. He is the master artist. He's the creator. And the radiance of his beauty shines forth through his creation. Everything points to the beauty of God. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. This is important. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, and the exact representation of his being. The sun is the radiance of God's super beauty, and the exact representation of his being. Seeing Jesus is seeing the beauty of God in flesh. And this great, glorious, super beautiful God loves us. We're, gonna, we're reading a few scriptures here in a row, but we'll keep going. 1 John 4, 9 through 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God. Not that we did. But that he loved us, and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. So God makes us in his image in creation, right? He makes us in his image in the garden. We fall away. We bring ugliness into the world by sinning and separating ourselves from God. Then he sends Jesus, his son, as his radiance, as his super beauty, into the earth. Jesus, in turn, takes all of our ugliness that we brought into the world onto his shoulders in the most beautiful display of love by sacrificing himself for us. He was made sin for us and had no beauty and form. Do we remember Isaiah there? He took on all of the sin. There was no beauty. There was no comeliness on him in this place. But God's radiance, his glory, shines forth in that place of atoning sacrifice for our sins. And ultimately, we get to be made beautiful, look at that package deal, by receiving his love. So not only is he beautiful, not only is his son beautiful, his love is so beautiful. And then, like a cherry on top, we get to be beautiful. So we see just, like, this really cool picture. In the poetic Song of Songs, he calls his beloved beautiful and desires her to come away with him. Ooh, he's calling us back to new creation, to his perfect image of beauty. And his, his desire is Communion. We're going to read Song of Songs 8, 6 through 7. And this is God's beloved saying back to him in response of that, come away with me, come away with me. She says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. I have a fun story about this verse, this passage. Um, Jordan and I, we have been married for 15 years. The first six years, I don't know the time left frame on it, We struggled with some things, and the Lord just did a really sweet, restoring, beautiful work in our hearts and in our lives, and we got these cool tattoos to commemorate. (laughs) I'm going to show you all Exhibit A. Jordan cannot show you Exhibit B because it's on his chest, but it is, (laughs) I don't, please don't take your shirt off. I mean, maybe you can, no, please don't actually. Um... And so it's all about this passage of us just finding each other again as our own beloved, but then also our love and relationship and feeling of God saying, hey, God, you're my beloved, but really you're speaking over me. You're saying, you're my beloved, you're my beloved. And so that's our little, our tattoo story. (laughs) But as much as I love Jordan and as much as he loves me, my beloved loves me so much more. His love is an unquenchable burning fire. It never ceases. We've been talking about the fire of God, y'all. We've been talking about it. It's his love. His love does the refining and the empowering in us. And it can't be quenched. It's what does the work. Mm. So what's our response to this? That's what I'm really talking about this morning. Beauty demands a response. One cannot simply experience something as beautiful without responding. There has to be a response. I have three kind of specific responses that were on my heart um, to go through and share, but they're kind of a progression of response. So think of them as kind of like a building on of one another. Um, the first one is I'm just going to say it and then we'll go into some other things. Awe and wonder, which leads to worship and transformation. Awe and wonder, which leads to worship and transformation. I'm going to get all science y again on you guys. <laughs> our sun is one of hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy. Our universe consists of billions of galaxies. If we could travel at the speed of light, which is extraordinarily fast, it would take us 25,000 years to reach the next closest galaxy. Wrap your mind around that for a minute. When we look at the cosmos, we know that the heavens declare the glory, the super beauty of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Now we're going to get micro. One grain of sand equals 43 quintillion atoms. (laughs) I don't know how many zeros that is, but that's a lot. When we study the intricacy of the formation of all things made from atoms, like everything is made from, like from its base part, particle is atom, we know that God created all of this vast world out of nothing. And he put it together with these teeny tiny little things. When we experience or see the beautiful process of life from conception to birth, I'm going to stare at Brie because she has a baby in her belly. We know that God formed us in our mother's womb, and he knows the numbers of hair on our head. That's a lot for me. That's a lot of hairs. <laughs> I remember when I saw Grace. You got to pay attention to me now. I remember when I saw Grace pop out for the first time. <gasps> I was very young, I was 23, almost 23. And the thing that stood out to me more than anything was her little fingernails. That was the first thing I noticed on her body. I looked at her fingernails and I realized they're already growing. Cause they were already like past, you know, her fingertip. I was like, I'm gonna have to clip these already. <laughs> I'm a new mom, I don't even know how to change a diaper. What's happening? Um, I just remember that tiny little detail And then I think of the Lord knowing every single little detail of our lives, knowing the number of hairs on our head. He is so big. He is so glorious, so super beautiful, but so intimately familiar with us. This should stir our hearts. We should feel awe and wonder. Gazing at his beauty and the works of his hands should delight us. It should do something. What drives a man like Einstein to keep on searching for truth? It's awe. It's wonder. Curiosity. We have an instinctual drawing to find beauty because he created us that way. He is beautiful. He created beauty. He put beauty inside of us. We have an instinctual drawing to find what is beautiful, to see what is beautiful, to recognize it. And He created us to long, to adore, to look on Him who is beauty in perfection. He is perfect beauty. And that should stir us to adore. In fact, awe, wonder, and delight are foundational to true worship. Worship is our expression, it's our response. It's our adoration to the beauty and love of God. It cannot happen without a sense of awe and wonder. If you don't feel a sense of wonder when you look up at the night sky, you aren't allowing yourself to really look at it. Adoring requires humility. It's eyes off of you for a minute, eyes on something else. All right, we're going to look at a couple more passages. This is Psalm 27.4 from David, the ultimate worship man, the man after God's heart. This was a big scripture for us last year, one that you are familiar with. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. David has a singular focus on seeing the beauty of God. He says, one thing I ask, this only do I seek. Then he goes on in Psalm 63, three through five, or one through five, sorry, Chris, I told you wrong. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory, your super beauty. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. David's response to seeing God's beauty, his glory, is worship. David also declares in the Psalms that those who look to him, those who just turn their eyes in adoration of him, are made radiant. They are made full of light. They're transformed into his glory. And what does a radiant thing do? That's right. Y'all are so good. Thank you. It reflects light. Those who see his beauty reflect his glory. In the earth, his way, his truth, his love. Sometimes we are not stirred. We don't think about his beauty. We don't gaze on him. We aren't moved by his ways. We get in those ruts. I think it's important just to remember that adoration requires humility. When we cannot wonder at his beauty, it is because we have filled our gaze with our soulish desires. With distractions. We make ourselves full of so much that we have no capacity or time or interest in gazing on his beauty or delighting in his presence or being hungry for whatever bread he has to offer us. We have filled our eyes and our bellies with ourselves and the foods we deem worthy. We have made our own selves an idol and we adore and worship it instead. So how do we restore this awe and wonder if we're not feeling it? That's simple. We repent. (laughs) Just like removing cataracts out of our eyes restores our vision. Just simply removing the things that are fogging our spiritual eyes from being able to gaze at his face. Give us this ability to turn our eyes on Jesus and to wonder at his beauty again. But this is not always easy. We have to be intentional, and I even wrote down militant, at stripping away our self-centeredness, our idolatry, and learning like David to make seeking his face our singular focus, our one focus. Mm. So... Seeing and experiencing his love and beauty should bring us into awe and wonder of God, which leads us to worship and transformation. Then it should propel us into communion with God. It should propel us into communion with God. This is the secret place. This is where we meet God and we form history with him, where we really get to know God, where we encounter his love. It's not just the checking off of boxes. It's not just the implementing of rhythms. It's the place where we see his glory. It's the place where we seek his face, where we dine with him. And I love this thought, this idea of communion with the Lord. We eat the meal. We eat the bread that he has for us every single day. And the most beautiful thing that I Think is the most beautiful thing about God is that He is always at a table waiting for us. He's never not at the table. He's never not there with His own body being offered as our bread. We find Him in that deep, deep part of us, our spirit, when we set aside the busyness of our souls, the busyness of our flesh. And we sit down in that place of the deep part of our spirit. No distractions, no self-centeredness. And we sit and we dine with him. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. No matter how big he is, no matter how big he created everything, he's always at the table waiting for you, waiting for you, waiting for you. This has been, I guess, my testimony during the fast. Um, That's been the biggest revelation to my heart. It's just that when there's nothing, when everything is stripped away, when all the food's gone, (laughs) or I mean, it's very much there and I can't have it, and all the food's not available to me when I can't sit down and watch a show when I'm tired, when I can't do anything else but sit in his presence. He is a really good meal. He's like the best meal. He becomes the daily bread. It's a tenderness and a realness that it's hard to even express. I can't even explain it, but it's so real. And everything that we need is found here. Everything. His daily bread might look like a loaf, but it's like a magic loaf. It <laughs> feeds us It feeds us the forgiveness we need, the ability to forgive others. It makes us fall more in love with him if that's the desire of your heart. He answers our prayers. He corrects us. He doesn't shame us. He corrects us. It's a delight to be corrected by him. His provision, his strength, the fruit of his spirit, the righteousness you need to live by. He's got it in his bread. His bread is his body. I am very encouraged, like I said, to see us all coming together during this time and just discerning our commitment to Jesus. Um, But it's it's only surface unless we eat. Unless we eat the bread he has for us. When we come to that place, he... He provides for us. We've got to take it, put it in our mouth, chew it up, swallow it, and receive it in our bodies and our minds and our spirits. That communion with the Lord is transformation. That is where it comes. You need something to change? You need, like, a little rev up in your spirit time with the Lord? Eat his bread. This is our final point, and then we're just going to come to the table, and I know I'm probably really short. Am I short? Okay, I'm sorry. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. All right, (laughs) this is the last one, and we're just going to come to the table and commune with the Lord, but... um, This last one is just that God's love and beauty propels us into communion with others. So we see God's love and beauty. It produces or should produce in us this awe and wonder that leads to worship and transformation. So we're going up. We're amazed at the beauty that he's revealed. And then we commune with him. And then we commune with others. So it's like at the beginning when we said we're receiving his love so that we can be poured out. It's all about sacrifice. It's all about being an offering poured out. I love that we do community so well here. It's like just a gift to my heart. You guys are family. This is like a safe place. It's a sweet place to be able to come and share. But the kind of communion I'm talking about this morning is similar to our communion with God. We see God's beauty we're drawn to encounter him, like, super fully. We see, like, the big picture of his super beauty, his glory. We are drawn to encounter him fully, fully, fully in a big, big picture. And so that's when I'm thinking when I say communion with others. It's this deep sharing and exchanging that we do. Of, it's an intimate thing that we do with one another. It requires trust. It requires us trusting others, but also being trustworthy ourselves. It requires us being open to share and loving others, being willing to receive love. That's not always easy either. There's an exchange that happens. We give and we receive. There's an outward action that happens. We know the greatest commandment is love the Lord God with all your heart. Soul strength, something like that. And then love your neighbor as yourself. It's twofold, and we hear that all the time. But the outward action is not unimportant. Last night at our women's gathering, we had a really sweet time um, of just praying for each other's needs. And as people came in, they took these little prayer cards and just wrote down prayers um, that they had personally and then we took them all up, and then we passed them all out to different women. So every woman got somebody else's card. Um, and it was just really, it was a sweet time of getting to pray for one another, but just that act of taking a card and exchanging my card with somebody else, or like, I'm, I am giving you something that is a burden in my heart. Can you help me carry this burden? That's communion with others. 1 John 4, 11 through 12 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. None of us have ever actually seen God, but our love, this is what is the radiance of of Jesus, the radiance of God in the earth, is how we love one another, and it makes us complete. This kind of communion lets us see a more complete picture of God's love, and it's a revelation of his beauty. We see him intimately, and we commune with him on our own, but we see him much more fully when we're communing with the body. We talked about this last night, too, If there's a hand on the ground, (laughs) just a chopped off hand, I know that's morbid, it's not doing anything, there's no use. But if it's connected to the body, then it has use, it has function. Just like the body isn't complete without this member, our response to his beauty isn't complete without outward movement. When we see his beauty and we behold him, when there is awe, when there is wonder, when there's worship and transformation, and there's a really beautiful secret place. If we don't have the outward movement, we're not getting the full picture. We're not sharing the full picture of his glory. (sighs) So we're going to come to the table in a minute with these things in mind. I'm much shorter. I'm sorry. It's fine. Good job, Andrea. God's love and beauty They create this awe and wonder. His love, his beauty propels us into communion with him and communion with others. We behold, we receive, and we give. So I just want us to sit with that for a minute. Um, We're just going to sit in silence for a minute. Then I'm going to pray, and then we'll come to the table, and then we'll have a moment of communion with the Lord. And with
0: one another. I asked Andrew's permission to say one thing. I uh raise your hand if if for a while you felt a bit of an an unstirredness in your prayer. Un I don't know. Unstirredness. Okay. Um Andrea talked about a repentance from distraction to a focus on awe and wonder. And I believe, if you would also raise your hand, how many of you have tried various different things to fix that? Um, I don't think those things are going to fix it. There's there's one thing that fixes it, and that's seeing his face. You You won't You won't worship to see His beauty. You worship because you've seen His beauty. And I just want to ask you, if you're comfortable, I believe that there's an act of faith right now before we come to the table of communion, that if you have been trying to fix your unstirredness, I want to tell you, whatever fix you think you have, it's one thing. It's seeing the beauty of His face. And... I just want to ask you, as it were, to repent from fixing yourself in distraction. And if you feel that, I want to ask you to just stand as an act of faith. If you want him to come and to fill your heart with a flame of love, um, I feel like there's a moment right now to repent. And it's a repenting of fixing yourself. It's a repenting of distraction. And it's returning to the beauty of his face. If you lack passion, you lack flame of love, whatever it is, Right now there's a there's a repentance. And I just want you to open your hands like a gift, and God wants to impart it. He wants to impart it right now. He's going to make clear eyes. Just like he said, he said, if the eye is full of light, the whole body will be full of light. And so, Lord, right now I pray that there would be a clear capacity to encounter your beauty, God, that you will, you will remove. Some of you are numbing this inability to feel with an excess of entertainment, an excess of, uh, of drinking, an excess of, uh, of doing other things. And the Lord's saying, stop filling yourself with that. He's saying, stop right now. And, um, and so, Lord, right now in Jesus' name, just repent of the excess. It doesn't matter. The excess can come anywhere. The excess can come, it can come many different directions. But if you lack it right now, I know the Lord's going to speak to you about where you're numbing that feeling. Just right now, make this private repentance in your heart. Repent from the excess. Repent from the distraction. Ask Him. And you can only ask Him. You can't force it. You can't, we can't create... There's no music we can create that make you see it. You've got to ask Him. So right now, we're going to wait. I feel like there's more that you're not encountering His beauty. The Lord's saying, stand right now. If you repent and turn your face to me, I will heal you. So Lord, like a wave of grace, right now, come over every person. Let's pray this together, this beautiful prayer together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode from ClearPath Church in Dallas, Texas. If you'd like more info to visit us on a Sunday morning or to subscribe to our newsletter, check us out at www.ClearPathDallas.com. Follow us on Instagram at ClearPathDallas. Thanks for listening.